It's Orphan Sunday, and uh, we are so, so, so honored to join churches in about 90 countries all across the world who are pausing today to say that what matters to God will matter to us. Who are joining God and saying, we will be part of your heartbeat to help the vulnerable child, not just in our own backyards, but across the world. And uh, we count it an honor to be a church that says we will be part of this global movement that joins God in his heart uh, for the vulnerable child. So again, if you're here this morning, hey, we are so, so glad uh, that you are here. And uh, even as you saw here just a few moments ago, even though we, we can't all do the same thing, we are convinced we all can and must do something to help the orphan, to help the vulnerable child. In fact, we believe that so much that it's not just Orphan Sunday. For the next three weeks, we are going to be talking about what does it look like for each of us to find our unique role in God's global movement of helping the vulnerable child. And so over the next number of weeks, we're going to introduce you uh, to, to a number of different organizations. We're going to introduce you to a number of different resources. We're going to introduce you to a number of different individuals convinced that each of us can find our unique role, our unique place in this journey. And so we would invite you, hey, Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, we can't encourage you enough to commit to being here the next couple of weeks as we continue this conversation and each of us finds our unique place and runs in sync with our great God. Um, but this morning, we want to actually start by asking a really simple question. Um, I'm not going to tell you what the question is right now, but it will come up uh, in the course of the next few minutes. We want to really start by asking something really simple. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to step in and figure out what does this mean for me. But this morning, we want to ask a really simple question. And uh, in order to serve as that question, we're going to look at a pretty familiar story if you've been around the church for a while. Um, and it's found in Acts chapter 3. If you have a copy of the Bible... You can turn there, Acts chapter 3. If you don't have a copy, we're going to have the verses up here um, on the screen. Acts chapter 3. Um, and uh, in this story, we're going to find two of Jesus' close followers who've stumbled into a little bit of a miracle uh, situation. Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Um, here's what it says. It says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, because he knows it's going to drive us crazy not knowing when exactly this story took place. Luke, the author, goes out of his way to tell us, oh, this story, it happened one day. Okay, thanks, Luke. Really appreciate those details. Now, I don't know. I think it's just that I, I tend to get uh, easily excitable. But uh, when I was reading this passage um, again in this past week, I stopped. I, I, I literally got stuck right here on this first phrase, one Day. Now, spoiler alert, if you've never heard this story uh, before, like you heard me say uh, a moment 
ago, this story is going to end with, with Peter and John caught up in a miracle that is going to change the life of this guy they meet forever and ever and ever. And yet when they woke up that morning, interestingly enough, it was just one day. It was just like any other day. In fact, Luke tells us um, that they, they were going to the temple to pray. Why? Because it's what they did every day. And since this was just one day, they did what they did on every other day. And they headed to the temple. And we, we learned that they went at three in the afternoon. And he tells us why. Because three in the afternoon was time for prayer. They went at three because it was on the schedule. It was the thing they had to do at that time on that One day which was like any other day. We're like, all right, Luke, we get it. It was just an ordinary, mundane one day. But how many of you know? How many of the miracle stories in the New Testament start with, eh, one day? It was just another day. One day. Now, if you pressured me, and I had to say, you don't have to pressure me, I'll tell you anyway. Um, I think God quite enjoys hiding extraordinary opportunities in very ordinary days. If we are paying attention. In fact, if we're paying attention, you will rarely wake up and say, nah, one day. In the Bible, one day is usually a setup that God is about to hide something extraordinary in what otherwise appeared to be an ordinary day. I don't think anyone wakes up and says, hmm, this feels like a miracle kind of day, does it not? But if you pay attention... You may just discover God's little extraordinary tucked away in your very ordinary day. Um, It it, it happened to me just a a couple of nights ago. I was tucking uh, one of my daughters in at night because it was night, right? That's what we did at that time of night. And uh, after I was done praying, she started asking me some questions. And so I did what I do. I'm like, stop stalling. Go to sleep. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm sorry, wait a minute. What did you ask? Did you just ask me how you get to live with God forever and ever? I almost missed it. Because it was just tucked away in our routine. And I realized like, man, most of the significant things in my life just happened on an ordinary day when I was in the gym playing basketball with my friend. Because that's what we did every day in college instead of studying. And then on this particular day, in walks this tall vanilla delight, you know. And um, kids, that's how I met your mother, right? But it was just one day. Um, As many of you know, we've adopted three girls from Haiti. That all started because I was sitting in the office doing what I did on that particular day. And it was just one day. I I just bring that up because my prayer is that this will be an extraordinary day disguised as just one day for someone in this house. Or you 
came to church because it's Sunday. It's just what you do. It's just another Sunday. And you came to the second service because you hate waking up early or whatever reason. But here you are and it's just another day. And my hope is that in the midst of this very ordinary day, God would infuse and surprise you with something extraordinary if you pay attention. And years from now, my hope is that when your story is told, it will start with one day, November the 10th, 2019, it was just like any other day, and I dragged myself up and went to church. And who knew that I'd get caught up in a miracle story on a very ordinary day? Verse 2 says this. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Can you see Luke's obsession with days? It's like speaking of ordinary days. Speaking of one day, Luke introduces us to to this man who is having another very ordinary day. A man who Luke says was, was born with feet that couldn't hold his Wait, And so he had never walked a step in his life. And he's just having a normal day. Now, in, in that culture, uh, being lame as this man was, was just, it was a social death sentence. Um, or you, you can't walk? Well, that kind of makes you worthless in our culture, man. I mean, because most of the jobs are physical jobs. And if you can't walk, then you can't work. And if you can't work, then what value do you add to this community? Matter of fact, you're not just worthless. You're a worthless burden because the rest of us have to carry you. We have to carry you figuratively. We have to carry you literally in order for you to survive and so the only way for him to actually survive was to sit on the street in that middle eastern sun and beg strangers for money assuming he had a family member who cared enough to carry him to his designated begging spot every day And here he was just having his every day. He's in his spot and he's begging. And by the way, beside the social aspect of living as a lame man in that culture, there was a spiritual stigma attached to it. Wait a minute. You came out of your mother's womb like that? You must have done something when you're in her womb. Or at a minimum, she had to have done something. Or your dad had to have done something. Or or, or your grandparents had to have done something to tick God off so badly that he would decide that you would be born with this limitation. I don't know what you did, but God is clearly not for you. God is clearly against you. And added to the burden of his everyday life would have been this spiritual stigma he carried around. God must not be on your side. And so all his life, he would have been treated like an inconvenient statistic, cursed by God and worthless, someone to be 
avoid. And in fact, Luke introduces him as a lame man because in that culture, that's all people would have cared to know about him. You're lame. We don't care about your story. We don't care about your dreams. We don't care about your hurts. We don't care about your future. We just care about the fact that you're a little bit of an inconvenience in our way. So by the time we meet him, He's fully settled into his normal. He's going about his daily routine. Luke tells us he does what he had done every day. This was just one day for him. Sadly, what was ordinary for him was a life of helplessness. But I'm sure you can start to see God's little collision scheme here. Because two very ordinary days are about to collide into something extraordinary if they are paying attention. Peter and John, Jesus' people, you know, clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit, going about their business, doing what they did every day. And on the other hand, here's this man, cursed and forgotten and neglected in so many ways, the outcast of that society. And he's going about his business, doing what he did every day. Neither of them have any idea this day would go a little bit different than the hundreds of one days before it. It says in verse 3, when he, the layman, saw Peter and John about to enter, he did what he did every day, as they did what they did every day. He asked them for money. And right there, in verse 4, their worlds collide in this unscheduled encounter. Matter of fact, if you read this more naturally, um, their worlds collide in a bit of an interruption to the schedule. Hey, put yourself in Peter and John's situation for for a quick second because they're trying to get to church so they can pray to Jesus and get their praise on and, and whatnot. And just as they are about to make it on time, I mean, it's what Jesus would want. Here comes this helpless dude and he interrupts their previously scheduled programming. This is a bit of an interruption. Now, um, let me backtrack really quickly. I don't know if anybody else noticed what this space here was called. Because I don't know if you saw that, but I saw in verse 2 that this place, this gate was called beautiful. Mm. I don't know about you, but I can't help but believe There is something heaven considers beautiful about that place, about that moment where Jesus' people and the brokenness of the world collide. I cannot help but think heaven views those unscheduled collisions of one days when Jesus' people and the brokenness of the world collide and they meet in that place. I can't help 
but believe heaven considers those moments and those places beautiful. I cannot help but believe heaven sees a beautiful invitation where we would normally see an unwanted interruption to the previously scheduled programming if we are paying attention. Matter of fact, I can't help but wonder if if a cloud of witnesses who've gone before us aren't peering over the balcony of heaven and saying, oh, you've got to come see this Jesus people and the brokenness of the world. They've collided. Something special is about to happen if they are paying attention. The question is, will they recognize this as an invitation Or will they see this as an interruption? Will they recognize this as an opportunity? Or or, or will they view this as just, just, just an ordinary day? Let's do what we've always done. And I think it's worth us taking a second and just asking this question. I mean, if if heaven is peering over the balcony into our lives, it's worth asking the question when these moments come and they do and they will. And are are we even paying attention in a culture that is so rushed and so regimented? Do we recognize the gate called beautiful? Where God allows us To interact with the brokenness in our world. Do we recognize these moments where heaven is all giddy because of what God might be up to? Or do we just miss the moments because we have places to be and we, we have schedules to keep and interruptions in this culture, they make us mad. And we justify it by the way. Um, we got to go to church and, and you know, we got to, you know, just pray to God. And, and we, we've, got, we've got schedules to keep and things to do. And I just wonder, man, do, do you live in a posture that slows down enough to recognize the gates called beautiful when God interrupts slash invites us to walk through them. Read the Bible and see how many miracle stories started as an interruption in a one day. Read the life of Jesus and see how many of his miracles started because Jesus was going there and someone interrupted him. And I just wonder, like, Lord, do I live interruptible enough to to recognize and to notice this is a gate called beautiful. As a follower of Jesus, I'm interacting with the brokenness in the world. And now here we are in this moment. Or am I just rushing by the reality? Some of us should be caught in the middle of miracle stories, but we live so rushed and we live so busy and we are so interruptible and we've got our schedule with priorities that we've decided are the things that matter most in our lives. Peter and John verse four says, Peter looked straight at this man. 
as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. That's the best verse ever. In the words of one republic, Peter and John stop and stare. This is so powerful, by the way. This day was just like any other day. It was just an ordinary day until Peter and John stopped and saw. This day was just like any other day until Peter and John slowed their roll enough to see what God had placed in front of them. They stopped and they saw this man. They saw his brokenness. They saw his humanity. They saw his helplessness. They saw his need. They saw his value. And this guy's day was just like any other day until he saw that they saw. I can't even imagine uh, what this moment was like for this man. First of all, to be super awkward. Like, uh, what are you guys doing? Why are you church people so weird? Why are you staring at me? This is strange. But I imagine beneath All of that, this would have absolutely baffled this man. I've been coming here to this begging spot for decades and I cannot remember the last time someone saw me. Now, don't get me wrong. People see through me. People see around me. People see over me. People overlook me. People endure me. People throw change my way. But I cannot remember the last time somebody stopped and saw me. This would not have been a regular day for this individual. People don't care about me. People don't stop for me. I'm usually invisible. I'm usually insignificant. I'm usually an inconvenience in their day because all of these walkers have places to go and important things to do in a culture in which they're valued. And I'm not. I am not used to this. This is strange. Peter and John stopped and they looked at the man. Now, I'm not quite ready to call Peter and John heroes. But I think this moment is powerful. Here's what I mean. Um, Peter and John were doing what they did every day. Because after all, this was just another day. And this guy was doing what he did every day. And apparently this was just another day. That tells me that... There had been dozens of times Peter and John had walked by this guy. Now they noticed him. They probably recognized him. But dozens of times they never did anything about it. But today... Something happened and they recognized the gate called beautiful that God had placed in front of them and they stop and they see him on this 
particular occasion. And when they see him, the miracle begins. Hmm. Ah, this seemed like such a, a fitting story in thinking about Orphan Sunday. And um, for the next three Sundays, I believe God is going to invite us to step into his miracle story on behalf of the often invisible and often insignificant and often considered irrelevant, vulnerable kids in our world. I believe he's going to invite us to step into his miracle story. But the first question that we have to answer is are we willing and do we care enough to stop and see? I told you to be a really simple question. Do we care enough to stop and see? Man, if you are newer to the vulnerable child crisis, often referred to as, as the orphan crisis in our world, it is real and it is wrong. Uh, some statistics now say that in our world there are 153 million orphans. This is speaking about children like your kids and my kids, like the kids your kids go to school with, who have lost either one or both of their parents, making their provision and protection uncertain, if not eliminated altogether, leaving them to fend for themselves, which makes them vulnerable. But believe it or not, the, the, the vulnerable child crisis is bigger than 153 million kids in our world. Because this number doesn't take into account the 400,000 kids in the foster care world in this country. Kids who for some reason or another, their parents are not in a position to care for them. And so they've been removed from their homes and they are in limbo as far as a place to call home. Talk about vulnerable. This number, 153 million, doesn't talk about kids in, in poverty who live with adults, but the reality is those adults don't have the resources practically or emotionally to take care of these kids, to protect and provide for these kids. And so even though there are adults in their lives, these kids are incredibly vulnerable. And that number doesn't speak to those kids, doesn't speak to the neglected kids in our community and in our world who live with adults who just, they're not willing to physically or emotionally care for them. They just don't care to care for the kids. And so the kids who go to school with your kids and go to school with my kids go home to an incredibly neglectful environment in our own community and in the world beyond it. This number doesn't address the homeless kids who are forced to fend for themselves on 
the streets. This number doesn't speak to the refugee kids who have been forced to flee a dangerous place in search of a new home. And so they are in limbo themselves. The vulnerable child crisis is real and it is wrong because no kid should be without safe people or a safe place to call home. No kid. And I know you agree with that because if it was your kid and for some reason they were put in a situation, you would be furious if the rest of us just checked our clocks and kept walking. If this was your little sister or your little brother and the rest of us just kind of folded our arms with our walking feet because we're not vulnerable, you would be furious, let alone if we started to stigmatize and we started to try and rationalize and we started to try and explain, oh, well, their parents must have done something wrong and neglectful and it's the drugs and the parents made bad decisions. Okay, maybe, but we're talking about the helplessness of the child, a child who didn't choose to be neglected, a child who didn't choose to be abandoned, a child who didn't choose to be in a situation where parents just cannot care for them. A child who didn't choose to be refugee fleeing from their home. A child who didn't choose to be in this situation and yet here they are helpless. I know you know this is a crisis. I know you agree that this is not okay. Because if we put a name to one of these children and they were somehow connected to you, you would feel the weight of this much more meaningfully. And the tragic temptation for the people of Jesus is to hear the plight of the vulnerable child in our world and what? Just keep moving. And even rationalize like, well, I mean, for us, our thing is more like praying in the temple. Not stopping for hurting people. Our thing is more praying. In fact, for some of us, like Peter and John, we've walked by the orphan crisis dozens of times. Now, we notice it. We recognize it. We can even tell you some statistics about it but if we're honest we've never genuinely stopped and seen beyond the statistics we've never stopped and seen humanity and hurt and dreams and potential and helplessness and futures wrapped up in these vulnerable kids I mean, we have schedules to keep, and we have five-year plans to protect, and we have priorities to fulfill. Sorry, kids, we're busy. But maybe someone else will stop. You know, one of those people who's uniquely called to help you. As for me, not my thing, so I'm just going to keep walking, if you don't mind. And heaven just keeps peering over the balcony. I'm just saying, this is how I envision things happening. I'll be corrected when I see the final footage in heaven. But the temptation is for the people of Jesus to treat these vulnerable lives like they're just inconvenient statistics. 
I mean, do you know how expensive college is? Maybe you haven't heard. So therefore, <laughs> this does not apply to us. We are going to class at 8 o'clock in the morning. We don't have time for this nonsense. The temptation is to miss the moment at the gate called beautiful where heaven is leaning over to see if we will feel an interruption or hear an invitation to be part of God's miracle story. And you're going to hear us talk about this, not just for the next three weeks, but even into next year. You're going to hear us talk about being part of God's miracle story. In fact, next week, you're going to hear us go further than that and talk about being God's miracle. And I'm convinced he is calling us to not just be part of his miracle story, but to be his miracle for these kids. This is what Orphan Sunday is, if you ask me. It's just an opportunity to collectively stop and ask God, what do you want me to see this time? I may have missed it. I may have ignored it. I may have walked away from it. I may have walked by it hundreds of times. But I'm asking, what do you want me to see this time? Orphan Sunday is this excuse for us to collectively come together and say, I am open to your invitation, God. I am willing to care enough to stop and see. What do you want to show me? Orphan Sunday is also, by the way, this beautiful moment where we collectively stop and announce to the vulnerable kids in our community and around the world, we see you. You are not an inconvenience. You are not invisible. You are not just some statistic. We see you. And matter of fact, hang tight. We are on our way. Your hurt matters to us. Your dreams matter to us. Your future matters to us. Your potential matters to us. We see you. I love the moment when Peter makes sure that this guy looks back at them. I want you to know we see you. And I love that in 90 plus countries around the world, there's this cosmic declaration from the people of Jesus who are saying, we refuse to keep walking. Kids, we see you. And what a powerful moment, what a powerful excuse for us to make that declaration. You matter to God and therefore you matter to us. We don't know how long you felt overlooked but we see you. And all I'm asking this morning is are you willing to stop and see? Uh, we, we want to live lives that matter. I know you do. We want to live lives that get caught up in, in, in the miracle stories that God is writing throughout the ages. I know you want to be part of a life that will look back and say, whoa, we lived to the full. But often we're in such a rush to keep our schedule and our plans and our priorities 
and our church meetings and to check things off our list, that we walk by these holy invitations that God disguises as interruptions, and we walk by these extraordinary opportunities that often feel like just another day. And in this Orphan Sunday, I'm asking, are you willing to stop and see and engage the crisis? Now, in case you, you attempted to think, again, the crisis is the concern of the called. Um, you know, the, the special people who are called to adoption. Uh, let me just set the record straight. Um, the crisis of the vulnerable child in our world is not the concern for the few. It's a concern for all of us. It's a concern for every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's one of the evidences that your faith in Jesus is legit. Let me show you. This is James chapter 1, verse 27. And it says, religion or faith, that God our Father accepts as legit, as pure and faultless, is this. Look after the vulnerable kid and the widows in their crisis. Religion, faith that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. There is a real, there is a genuine faith. And it's the kind that stops and sees and engages the plight of the vulnerable child in our schools, in our backyards, in our community, in our extended family, in our home, where you're aware that your spouse is doing things that are putting your kids in a vulnerable situation. Genuine faith refuses to stay silent and walk by the plight of a vulnerable kid. I don't know what version of faith you've been living, and I don't know what version of following Jesus that that you've embraced, but whatever the genuine version of following Jesus looks like, it includes stopping, seeing, and engaging the vulnerable child in our world. And so the question is, are you willing to stop and see and say, God, what do you want me to see today? I am willing to accept your invitation. Um, And we as a church, we, we want to respond loudly. And I'm telling you, if we are going to be accused of something by heaven when it's all said and done, we want to be accused of being those crazy people who took God literally when he said, go care for the vulnerable child, and they stumbled, and they fell, and they messed it up, and they weren't quite sure what to do. But in the end, they did what they could to serve the vulnerable child. And we want to invite you to to join in and be part of God's heart and God's quest. Um. Are you willing? Are you open to it? Uh, my wife and I went to a, uh, a conference for uh, 
vulnerable kids this past weekend, and um, I had some responsibilities at, at this event. But I can tell you, I'm, I can speak for myself. I can't speak for my wife, but it's not going to stop me from doing it. Um, when I went to this event, I went with a predetermined posture of what I was just not interested in doing. I had predecided what was on the table and what was off the table. I'm like, nope. Um, see, God, I work at a church and we have adopted three kids. Let's never talk about this ever again. So I had decided, like, there are just certain things I'm just not going to do. My posture was very much like this personally. And I don't want to speak for my wife, but you know, adoption hasn't been easy. It's been a tough journey. And so everything in me has decided, like, I'm done. So I'm sorry, Lord. And the Lord, now let me be careful. Some of you are like, are you adopting some more children? Not that I'm aware of. But. The Lord shattered both of our postures. We came in like this. And over the course of the weekend, we could just feel the spirit like, ah, ah, you know, and the bond. By the end of it, we're like, oh my goodness. And by the way, what we were surprised by is that he was opening our posture up not to take, but to give. And that's always the story, by the way. As you're involved and invited into his miracle story, it's not to rob you of life. It is to give you the absolute best version of life running alongside God in his heart for the vulnerable child. But I'm saying to some of you, you may have come into this service this morning and you hear me talk and you've already predecided what's on the table and what's off the table. That's why this becomes a really key question. Are you willing to say, God, what do you want me to see? I accept whatever your invitation is. Y'all may have had a conversation last year in which you're like, adoption is not for us. I'm asking you, what about today? What's he saying today? Are you willing to stop and see and accept the invitation he may be placing in front of you. Um, for my wife and I, uh, I can tell you, we recognized the need. We were aware of the need, but I never one time came to the Lord and said to him, we are available and we are saying, what do you want us to do? No. Do you know what I did? <laughs> I said, all right, hey, Lord. I'm going to be walking over this way really fast, really quick. If you have any ideas about adoption, feel free to violently stop us and turn us around and then make the world spin the opposite way, like really, really convince us. And by the way, I thought I was safe <laughs> by doing that. Those are like, oh, okay, cool, you know, and he did. But the point is, there is something so much more beautiful about not saying like, you know, you got to wrestle it out of my, my hands. There's something so much better about your miracle story when it starts with, here I am. And I'm freaking out because you may ask me to do this one thing. And God is like, you have no idea. You have no idea what kind of story you get invited into if I invite you into it. If you're willing to come with an open posture. So my question for you, whether you're a college student, 
whether you're an empty nester, um, whether you're somewhere in between, whether you're single, whether you're a single parent, whether you've never been married, whatever the case might be, the question is, are you willing to stop and see and engage and tell God, here I am. I assure you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not nothing. It is something. It will not be the same thing, but for all of us, it's going to be something. And I cannot wait over the next number of weeks to figure out what is that something for you. But this morning, I do want to ask you particularly about adoption and about foster care. Because I believe that is the front lines of this work. We all have a part, and it's not all, for all of us, it's not, I don't know how you're going to adopt in beta, right? But I'm just saying, it's not going to be adoption or foster care for all of us. It's going to be something. But my fear is that many of us hear that and immediately say, thank the good Lord Jesus Christ. Because adoption and foster care is not for me. And I just want you to pause for a second and say, might it be? Might it be? Might it be, really? I was talking to a couple who's, man, in their 60s. And they're telling me, we're adopting a little baby. I'm like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> like, what? In this church? I'm like, you were seriously moving in that direction. That's, that's really the direction you want to move into. So I'm saying, don't take anything off the table. Is that maybe something the Lord might be talking to you about? Um, on your way in, you should have received a card uh, with your worship card that looks like this one. Um, this is an opportunity for you to share your story with us. Um, and specifically, if you are in adoption or foster care anywhere in the journey, we would love for you to share your story with us and allow us to be a part of it. And I'm telling you, if you say, man, we are praying and considering adoption, let us know that. Let us know that. Uh, by the way, when I said that we went to um, uh, an event, a, a conference um, around orphan care, it was a conference put on by our friends uh, at LifeSong. And uh, we love that organization because LifeSong says, we don't believe the reason a child should not have a home is because of finances. And so they exist to help fund adoptions. And I love that. Because for many of us, that's the number one reason why we will not step in. It's like, but we can't afford it. We have friends called LifeSong. But anyway, um, invite us into your story. If you're praying about adoption or foster care, you're considering it. Or maybe you're waiting, you're partway through the journey. Or maybe like us, you've brought home kids. We would love for you to share your story with us. We would love for you to share part of your miracle story with us. Where are you in that journey? Because watch out. There is a whole village of us who would love to come around you as you live on the front lines and play our part in ensuring that you are well cared for. And men, we're going to introduce you into to various organizations and resources to make sure uh, that you are well cared for. But, but we would like to know that, whether you're considering it, 
um, would love to help you with that, or whether you're in the middle of it, or whether you've brought kids home. And just tell us, what would be most meaningful? How can we serve you as you serve um, the vulnerable kids with your heart and with your home? So please take a moment to fill this out. In fact, the team will come out. We're going to do a closing uh, song as you take a moment to just um, fill this out if this is where you are. And for some of you, as you genuinely present yourself to God, it's not going to be adoption. But I cannot wait to share the many different opportunities that emerge, even as ways we can serve these families or ways we can serve some of our mission partners and our organizations. Some of them are sitting in this room, um, organizations who are committed to the vulnerable child, and we want to come alongside them, and you have a role to play in that. It is going to be something. So thank you for sharing your story with us and allowing us to be part um, of your story as well. But even as the, the, the team leads, if you're not filling this out, feel free to sing along and feel free to just ask the Lord, like, what are you saying to me? I'm open to your invitation. And together, let's make a difference as we lock arms with God for the sake of the vulnerable child.